I allowed myself to do things because I had no moral compass. There was no one to teach me and guide me. Now I had one internally, but I wasn't tapped into it. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I had done some things and said some things. I should be in jail and I should be dead. And who am I to judge anybody else? And if I can forgive him, why can't I forgive myself? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not perfect and I know I'm still going to get things wrong. And so is everybody else, but it's got to go somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. My, why can't it start with me? Why can't I be the change? And I told my wife, this is it. We're done. We're going to break this generational curse that she has in her life. And I have in mine, and it is not coming to my boys. And the devil came after us so hard. He knew how strong we were going to be. He knew the voice that I was going to have. I know he did. He mm-hmm. came at me so hard, so hard because the advocate that I could be for the kingdom of God and what I'm doing, you know, the event that I have coming up and what I'm doing with my kids now and where I'm going and I'm not done. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Tranquil Turtle Massage. Tracy over there, the founder, she's a small town girl from Montana, loves God, loves her family, loves her friends, loves working out, fishing and camping. She has a passion for helping those in need and enjoys being creative with woodworking, crocheting, healthy baking, pottery and cooking. Look, she began her massage journey back in 2010 where she graduated from massage school up in Anchorage, Alaska. She specializes in her signature massages, the Hanu Infusion and the Hanu Ashiatsu, as well as the Gua Sha and Manual Lymphatic Drainage. If you're looking for a massage specialist and someone who could get you feeling good, go see Tracy down at Tranquil Turtle Massage. And while you're there, check out CDA Microblading, offering Coeur best tattoo brows, plasma fibroblast, tightening, and PMU services right there in the heart of downtown Coeur Make sure you book your appointment at pnwmobilemassage.com. Nathan, you're a husband, father, founder of Rock City MMA, MMA artist, uh, MMA fighter, actor, certified John Maxwell speaker, coach, and trainer. So much more, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I sound amazing. Dude. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So I much more. All this stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Dude, I have such a funny story for you. So I started Top Rate MMA in 2012. And I don't know how you and I got connected, but somehow I was a guest on a radio show that you ran in 2012 or 2000, excuse me, uh, 2012 or 2013. It was the very first interview I ever did. So flash forward 10 years later, I have the honor of having you on my show, man. Thank you. That's incredible. I appreciate it, man. I love the world that we live in. What a great world. Oh, absolutely, man. I love to kick things off by going back a bit. I think you grew up in Iowa. What was childhood like for you, man? <laughs> you want to start there? I mean, we're going right into childhood. We go right uh, into it, brother. <laughs> uh Listen, well, I, I will say, uh, first, sorry about my voice. I've had a busy couple of weeks and I've had, uh, my son had his pro debut in LFA. I had um, uh, speak engagements online. I had to do, I emceed a show Come on. and I've been coaching my butt off this week. Uh, I'm leaving tomorrow for LA. I'm going on Wheel of Fortune on Friday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've been, sorry about the voice. So, Come on. Um, and I want to tell anybody who's watching this, if you haven't, get on Eric's YouTube page. And look up that video. I'm telling you, it was amazing. Your testimony was absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, seriously. I connected with you in so many ways. Um, So Iowa, I moved around quite a bit when I was a kid. Um, I ended up uh, at 14, 6th or 7th grade, something like that. I ended up in a town in Wayland, Iowa, 
And uh, I stopped moving from there. Before that, there was like seven different schools and three dads. Wow. So that was my third dad then. And, um, and how I grew up, it was, you know, um, one o'clock in the morning, I remember being pulled out of bed. My mom snuck in and got us kids. And we moved in the middle of the night. We took off and went to some other guy's house and his family. My second dad, that's how I got my last name, Kirby. My second dad was abusive. Uh, he was an alcoholic and um, he abused my brother and I. We're full siblings. We have the same mom and the same dad. But my, our dad, my biological father had left when I was, I think my mom was still pregnant with me. Wow. So I dealt with, um, once I found that out, I dealt with a lot of abandonment issues over the years and, and dealing with the abuse. You know, and I tell everybody all the time, the abuse that I received, and anybody can understand this, physically from my stepdad will never be um, as painful as the psychological abuse that I received, mental abuse, the, the anguish, the pain, the depression, the desire to kill myself because I was so unhappy. Mm -hmm. So the physical stuff, I was able to forgive my stepfather when he was dying of cancer. Um, I was able to forgive him the night of my pro debut. So th th there it was. And then I graduate high school and I just run the streets. I'm 17 years old and I'm literally a hood rat. And I remember having a gun in my face, pull the trigger, do it. I dare you. I it was so crazy. I was in a gang. If you want to call it that um, so many street fights, I was arrested. I got thrown in jail because of fighting. Um, I broke into my high school, stole some stuff. I was poor. I needed gas money and insurance. And it was just that. And, Unfortunately, what I do know now, would you and I both now, and anybody listening know now, how important influence is in our life. Mm. And I, I, I just don't even, there's one woman, and I know I probably disappointed her along the ways. I actually messaged her a few years back because she probably doesn't know who I am now. And she probably knew who I was because of the time when I was living there and doing all this stuff and being just a heathen. Probably such a disappointment to her. But this woman literally changed my life. She was my music teacher, Millie Youngquist. Mm. And she's the one that gave me excitement to go to school. I, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to be there. I hated everything. I hated everyone. I was miserable. I was picked on and bullied all the time. I hated it. And uh, it was before I got pecs, <laughs> before I got muscles, before <laughs> I learned how to fight. Yeah. You know, I was just so tiny and scrawny. But I loved Miss Youngquist. And she just poured into me. And she made me believe in myself. And mm. I sang, I was in plays and musicals. I sang at my graduation. I sang Boys to Men. It's so ha ha. was before I lost my voice due to coaching. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you, she really planted a seed in me. And she was amazing to me. She was a, a mom outside of my home and she was just any relief that I had. So running an MMA school, as I was telling you before, I have all these superheroes behind me. I'm wearing an Avenger shirt. It just so happened to be that, but um, that's why I'm doing it upstairs at my school. This is the second floor of my business. Um, I believe everybody has a superhero inside of them. And it's my job to try and figure out what superpower these kids have. I know because I hear this all the time. I know the kids that are struggling at home. I know the girls that have been sexually abused. I know the boys that are being beaten. I know the ones that are being abandoned. I know there's a mom here that just got choked by her father, by her husband in front of her kid. Wow. Um, and, uh, I'm reeling in on that one. I'm going to stop. I won't continue to talk because I'm so angry about it. Yeah. Um, I, I know these kids that are just looking for somebody to love them. I know that this one kid is never going to be good as his older brother. 
And, and I see it when the mom and dad comes in here. He's never going to be as good as his older brother. And these kids are dealing with this on a regular basis. Stepdad, stepmom, split family homes. And so I want to give them something I never had. And so my childhood was not for nothing. And, I, and I'm not doing some wine and song dance about, I'm not trying to make this a sound clip. I'm literally saying, I am so thankful and so grateful for everything I ever went through as a kid. Yeah. Everything. I would not be here doing what I do right now if it wasn't for that. I would be privileged. I'd be lazy. I'd be a victim like everyone else out there is. And I'm so glad that I've been able to work through it, get through my hurts and hangups, and go through a lot of instructors, a lot of mentors and pastors that have poured into me over the years. And I take everything from everyone. I try. My superpower is absorbing the best of other people mm. so I can give it to others. Come on. I love that, man. And, and you and I, like you mentioned, you know, we, we both have this shared faith in Christ. And, you know, I came to know the Lord in my early 20s. And after this 10 years of destruction there, uh, how did you come to know the Lord? And what prompted that decision to kind of step into faith there? Okay. This is crazy. Weird. Amazing. But. Um, okay. I was, I was going to say, I forget about this one thing. You remember Amway? Yep. I got an Amway because I'm a dreamer, right? Yeah. No matter how much has happened to me, I still think, ooh, I, I, I think I can do this. So I got an Amway. My wife was pregnant with our first son, and I remember us flying to Florida. We did this Amway conference, and uh, it was the last day. It was on a Sunday. And, um, oh, gosh, he's a famous guy. He's a baseball guy, New York Yankees guy, big fat guy. I can't think of who it is. Okay. Ah, famous, famous, famous guy. Okay. That's all I can remember. Okay. And he, he was speaking and I, I want to say it was him and maybe a pastor joined the stage, but I just remember being at a round table in this big, huge convention center in Orlando, Florida. And it's on a Sunday and you got to understand, I've never been to church before. And the only church I remember is my stepfather preaching over my mom in the middle of the night that she's going to burn in hell. And I remember going to a first assembly church and they're running up the aisles and just, I know nothing of church. It was the two things I knew of church. Yeah. So this man is speaking on stage and he starts talking and he says, if this is you, if this is where you want to live your life, if this is, you know, the altar call, I've never heard an altar call before. Sure. I'm not at an altar. It's in a convention center. He said, stand up and walk down here. And I remember, I remember grabbing, I'm crying. I'm literally grabbing my wife and I'm like, honey, I want to go. Honey, I I think we need to go up there. I want to go up there. She's like, no, I ain't going. My wife was raised Jehovah witness. Wow. I found out my biological father, Jehovah witness. I had no idea, you know, all these crazy things. I ended up meeting my biological father when I was like 16. Um, But she was never going to go. And, but I'm telling you, there was something I've never felt this before. Something stirred at that moment. Oh, man. It was so cool. Uh, <laughs> I wish I would have gone up there. I really did. But my wife, I was, I was never strong on my own. My wife was completely right. We've been married 26 years. We've been together 27 years. On, she man. still is. That's my amazing. rock. And, you know, you've been with somebody for so long, you have an identity with them. And, and we hadn't been together just for a few years. Remember, I was only maybe 21 or 22 at the time because we got married at 20. Wow. So, all right, fast forward. And I'm back in the town where I was a hood rat and a piece of trash. 
and I'm running around. I was literally inside a man's house, a woman's house. She's probably 60 or 70. I'm at the foot of her bed, sneaking through her dresser drawer, stealing from her. This is who I was before I met my, my wife. I kicked a man in the face with a steel-toed boot and left him for dead on the side of the road because they flashed their lights at me. No reason, man. No reason. I was without moral compass and direction. I had nobody in my life. And so I met my wife. I was working for um, handicapped, disabled, um, uh, a franchise, uh, a company up in Iowa, and I was working for them. That's how I met my wife. A friend of mine, her mom, and I, she was on drugs her whole life that I know of. She'd been with so many men and already been married two or three times. But my friend said, hey, my mom is getting baptized. I want you to come. What's a baptism? Yeah. <laughs> I'm clueless. Sure. She says, my, my, my mom's gotten married. She got remarried to this guy and she's going to church and she's getting baptized at church. And I still don't know what a baptism is. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And it's a small church in Iowa, Washington, Iowa called New Oaks Church. This is my first experience inside of a church building. So I go into this church and I sit there and I remember looking up in the front and they had a big old bathtub. That's what I thought it was. It was just like a hot tub. Yeah. And, uh, and they're standing around there and the pastor's in there. And they said, if, if you come to church because of these people, I don't want you to stand up. And now this couple over here, if you've been at this church because of this couple over here, stand up. Pretty much a whole entire church was standing up because of five couples. That's how big this church grew because of these five people's influence. Wow. Next thing you know, this woman's in there and she's getting baptized and they're talking to her and he's whispering, you know, he's doing this. And I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to duck you. I'm going to hold your breath. But, you know, I know what he's saying now, but yeah. And I'm telling you, man, held her under. I didn't know if he's going to bring her up, brings her up in the air. And I just saw her come alive and I saw the water and I saw her face and I saw her breathe for the first time. And, uh, it was remarkable. I, I felt that Holy Spirit again, come not on. knowing anything that's going on. I'm like, Woo! everybody's clapping, everybody's cheering. I have no idea why I'm cheering. I yeah. don't know the impact of this. Remember, I am so incompletely, undeniably, ridiculously um, uneducated, yeah. ignorant. They started singing Amazing Grace. Remember, I was a singer. And they start singing Amazing Grace. I'm like, oh my God, I know this. I love of course it's a church song, but again, never been to church. So yeah. I said, Oh my God, I love this song. And they're like, Well, sing it. I'm like, okay. So I got up and I walked down to the stage and I got on stage. I grabbed a microphone. Amazing Grace. And I'm singing. Come on, dude. That was I awesome. have no idea <laughs> that there's a thing as a church choir or a worship team or whatever. I don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. It's a stage with a microphone. That's it. I Come literally on. started singing a song. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody kicked me off the stage. I remember them looking over at me like <laughs> with this puzzled look. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, dude. This was literally 27 years ago, 20, uh, 25 years ago, probably 25, somewhere around in there. Come on. So, Man, that is awesome, dude. I went back and took my wife. She wasn't there. Yeah. She never got to experience this. This is another thing that I'm like, honey, you've got to go. Yeah. And she went and we went back and we went back again and they just, they accepted us and loved us. And I ended up becoming a member of that church. It was 2001. So that was, um, wasn't 25 years ago. It was 21 years ago. Uh, I might've started in, in 2000, but I, I know in, 2001 
I accepted Christ after 9-11. No, I went to massage therapy school and right before 9-11, I remember being in my shower and accepted Christ. Wow. Uh, and then we became members of the church. I've never drank again ever since. Come I've on. never smoked. I don't do drugs. I don't do any pills. I do no drugs whatsoever. Well, caffeine. Yeah. Um, I gave up alcohol completely. Uh, there's absolutely nothing. And December 2nd, 2001, my wife and I both got baptized. Man, come on, yeah. dude. That was that it. Is awesome, man. Dude, I got chills when you were telling that story. Yeah, just for another uh, Christ follower, man, I just want to say I'm proud of you, man, for what Thank you, you did. That is awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. And you're so big on, you know, not letting our past dictate our future. I love that, man. And and for those that are struggling with this burden of their past and, and really just letting other people's opinions define their future, like what what do you, would you say to them to help them kind of pull themselves up and, and you know, uh, get past that? Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving the focus on me. I know that's what you do as a podcast host, because I know you can answer that question. You know, you, and, and I appreciate this. And, and uh, I, I do know already. So I want to be um, empathetic towards those listening because some can't handle the truth of this. Mm. So I'll start by saying you suck and God loves you so much. You have screwed up so bad and you're lucky you're not dead or in jail and you already know this. But yet we look at everybody else who's texting on their phone mad and pissed off because they're texting when you got your phone in your hand. And we look at everybody else as they are doing something worse than us or they're doing something worse than we ever did. And you know how bad you did. You know what you're doing now. You know your thoughts, you know every day. But yet you want to look at other people. And I think it starts there. One, we have to have mercy and grace. And that's what God has given us. And I think that's what we forget sometimes. We get so wrapped up into bills and life and job and titles and everything else. We forget that we have been given a gift that we didn't deserve. That's number one. Yeah. Then I go back to this. Um, it is very hard that for people to get over things they've done because they harbor so much guilt and shame. It's, and I think the reason why is because they're still holding on to how they've been wrong. They refuse to forgive someone else so much, and that is so powerful. The poison is so strong that they swallow every day of that anger and that hatred and that bitterness and that rage that they cannot forgive themselves because how can they forgive themselves what they do when they still hold uh, against what people are doing against them and they won't let it go? Hmm. So I can say this. This is the one that I know. I, I don't know if I told you this, but this is what changed my life. It's in 2007. 2006, I get a phone call from a strange woman talking to me about this man, David Kirby. That's my stepdad. She said, he wants to see you. He can go F off. He's dying. So glad I've been waiting for this day. I prayed for this day. Seriously. She says, he talks about you all the time. He's so sorry. I bet he is because he ruined my life and he ruined my brother's life and he's probably ruined his life. I hope he hates himself for this. He really wants to see him. You need to come see him because he's, he's got cancer and he's going to die. She would call me every day and talk to me. And I had so much bitterness and rage. I had, I dreamt of killing this man myself I because I was this big, you know, and to me, he's a monster and I was so scared and I couldn't do anything. And I remember grabbing my mom's hand when she was trying to turn the dial back on the stove because we had a timer to eat. And if we didn't get the time, we didn't eat in time. We'd get our ass beat. We're beat. It's done. It's over. 
My brother had a gun. It was a wooden little rifle, you know, with a wooden bullet. He snapped it over his, I mean, just crazy. And uh, I got beat because I collected pop cans. I call it can scab. And me and this girl would go around Burlington and we collect nickels. And, uh, you know, we, and I had a, a flat, a cardboard flat of cans. One was a Coors empty Coors. I remember the beer. It was a Coors beer and it was empty. And I got beat because I had an empty Coors can in the pantry. And uh, so this man had made me feel this big and this valuable, not much worth. And she talked to me over and over and told me about this man and how he's changed. You know, he had a lazy eye, got it fixed. He doesn't drink anymore. He sings in the church and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you would think being a Christian, being saved, being baptized, being a different person, that I would be different. But I'm not. I'm still that guy. There's, there's phases of this. There's levels of this. Mm -hmm. and Steve Harvey said he's like a level one, level two Christian. You know, when I, when I met Steve Harvey on Family Feud, he's like, I'm like, I'm still a Christian, but I will still break you. I will still come at you. He says, pray with me. Don't play with me. And that's kind of how I was. I was come still on. kind of, a, you could take someone out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of someone. And yeah. So, uh, so what happened was I finally said, yes, I'll come down. And I remember being in the hospital. Uh, it's, it's so weird because um, I see myself. I could, okay. I could see my, I'm looking at myself walking to the hospital room and grabbing the door. I don't know why I see that. But now I see me opening the door. I see him laying there in a bed. And all I could see is white now. The memory is gone except the bed, the linen, linens, and him sitting up. You know, it just hit me two days ago talking about this. I've never had a beard before, except till last year, up until 46 years old, 47 now. And I think it's because of him. Mm -hmm. I still remember his beard. And he looked at me and he's like, hey, Nate. I hate the word Nate. Anybody call me Nate, I'll correct them right away. And if they call me Nate, I think they're doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. That's how much hate was still in me. Um, and I don't remember the formalities. I remember turning and walking and looking at him because I didn't want to make eye contact. And I stopped for a second, looked at him, and I saw his whole demeanor change. And he says, Nate, you know, I'm so sorry. And I, I said, I was... <clears throat> It was almost immediate. It was almost immediate reaction. I forgive you. Years, years of hate, years of hate. And uh, the memories of the abuse and the fear. Oh God, the fear. It was more fear than it was hate. I was afraid. I saw his eyeballs in the rearview mirror. Oh my God, I knew I was going to get beat. I knew I was going to get beat. I knew it was done. I saw those eyes. He laid eyes on me and I knew it was over because I stood on the fence at my uncle's house in Missouri or in Illinois. I mean, I just remember saying, it's okay. I forgive you. He was, he was so weak. I wasn't afraid of him anymore. He didn't have anything over me. There was nothing there. Literally, I was, I was empty. Uh, anger was gone. The pain was gone. Uh, half the memories were gone. God had saved me from that. I don't remember half the stuff. My brother had to tell me if, some things a few years back because I don't even remember. Wow. So the night of my professional debut, Davenport, Iowa, I'm turning pro as a fighter. A fight's over. I win. My buddy comes up to me. He says, hey, come on. Let's go outside real quick. I remember sitting outside in Davenport like on a bus stop outside this venue. 
He said, I just want you to know that David died. Mm. Took me a while. And just to even think I can cry about that, man, you know, the sadness. But what happened was while I was down there during this whole funeral process, I went to his funeral. She took me to go see his life and how he lived. And it was so sad. It was so sad. I felt so sad for this man that everything that he had, he had three kids and a wife. And I remember the house we lived on Market Street. I remember living in Sunnyside. I remember living in North Hills. I have all these memories and he had all this and he ruined it. Mm -hmm. And then my mom left from one man to another man and uh, took us out of that situation, put us in something completely different. And uh, so that never ended. But this man went on to go without a family. He lived in, I'd say a shack because she took me to his apartment. And it's not an apartment. It was a, a house, but you would go and buy from Menards. It looks like it was just a one bedroom shack. Wow. It was terrible, but he was happy. He had found God. He was serving in church. He plays guitar. My best memories of that time of my life was third grade, fourth grade, going over to my grandparents' house and three guitars were out. My aunt was playing the fiddle and they're just bluegrass and they're just singing. I just, that's all I could, that's the best memory I have as a child. Wow. And, uh, and then hearing him play guitar on a CD they gave me. So the reason why I say that I'm not my past is I allowed myself to do things because I had no moral compass. There was no one to teach me and guide me. Now I had one internally, but I wasn't tapped into it. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I had done some things and said some things. I should be in jail and I should be dead. And who am I to judge anybody else? And if I could forgive him, why can't I forgive myself? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not perfect and I know I'm still going to get things wrong. And so is everybody else, but it's got to go somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. My, why can't it start with me? Why can't I be the change? And I told my wife, this is it. We're done. We're going to break this generational curse that she has in her life and I have in mine. And it is not coming to my boys. And the devil came after us so hard. He knew how strong we were going to be. He knew the voice that I was going to have. I know he did. He -hmm. came at me so hard, so hard, because the advocate that I could be for the kingdom of God and what I'm doing, you know, the event that I have coming up and what I'm doing with my kids now and where I'm going. I'm not done. Thank you so much for, for just being vulnerable, man, and, and sharing your story there. I think it's so powerful that you shared that, and I think it's going to affect a lot of people. I wanted to jump, though, because you've got this huge event coming up. It's a Men's Advanced Leadership Training Camp coming up September 23rd out there in Little Rock. Such a needed thing. I think as men, we need to be around other men that are living life that we want to live, that are Christ followers and and just doing good in our community and the world there with this event there, what can men expect to get out of that? Um, how can they get registered on that for you? I'm working on all the details. I've been a part of a lot of stuff. You know, I did a lot of stuff with Tony Robbins and T Harvecker and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I did a national achievers Congress and I got certified with John Maxwell. I've been speaking. I do motivational stuff everywhere. I've spoke at colleges. One of my favorite moments was being at UCF. This is the first event that I'm kind of really hosting. I've been a part of everybody else. And so this is the first event that I'm hosting of everything that I've done. And I'm cutting everything out that doesn't need to be there. Um, For every man that's listening right now, you got to understand this is years of trimming, trimming the fat. I did a lot of stuff when I went to Unleash the Power. And there's a lot of stuff that I would never do because some of the stuff was just, 
It's ridiculous. Every event I've gone to that I'm like, we got to get rid of, this is not, we need to get to the heart of what's really going on. How can I really make this impact of yes, building a tribe and a brotherhood and camaraderie and having unity and having teamwork. And that's fantastic, but it still boils down to this man individually. And that isn't doing some of the stupid hokey stuff that happens at most of these events. This is real. It's real man. It's real training. It is real MMA. We are really going to fight. We are really going to train. We are really going to be hiking mountains. We're really going to be doing um, runs to a waterfall. We are, uh, there are some unbelievable things. We are going to unpack the hurts and hangups that are inside of us that we are still dealing with. The fact that you're a crappy, lousy husband, or you're an amazing husband, you're a terrible father, or maybe you're an amazing father, but you're a terrible stepfather, or maybe you're an amazing employee, but you are a shitey boss. And you don't have the leadership or the knowledge or the humility. And we want something more. And that's what this is. It's for that man who's yearning, desire, that burning, that this can't be it. You know, when you wake up and you're like, this just can't be it. There's got to be more. Where's the next level? I feel like there was a time in my life where God had me in an airplane sitting on the runway. <sighs> Let's go. I am so ready. What are we waiting for? I'm just waiting to launch. I don't know what it is. There was a moment where I was waiting for somebody to discover me. So I didn't do anything. Somebody's going to see me. Somebody's going to notice me. Well, I'm done. I did an acting call. Yeah, I, I just did my first Lifetime movie last week. Come on. 10 seconds, baby. <clears throat> I was on there for 10 seconds. I got paid. I'm a professional actor. There you go. Uh, I'm on a, acting, a call with an acting coach. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap this up really fast. Oh, good. And she says, she's going to do headshots. She, we've already done some feedback on some lines that I ran and, and we did headshots. She's like, this is stupid. This, but I don't know what this is. What, what are you doing with your hands? That's not a headshot. I'm like, okay, I've never done this before. All right. <laughs> Easy on me. Okay. I'm sensitive. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you need this. I'm like, what do I need? What am I missing? Then she goes, you need a, you need a army shirt. You need a black shirt. You need a green shirt. You need to show off your rock hard chest. You need to show this from here to here. You need to show that because you're missing the military. I'm like, oh, I said, I'm getting typecast for that. I'm a bodyguard next week in Tupelo and I'm playing an F I'm playing an FBI agent. I've already done FBI and I've been the bag man. I'm typecast already being six foot five, 270 pounds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, nothing. She goes, no, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with being typecast? Cause you get to do what you love to do. You get to do this every day. You wake up and you act who cares if you're FBI for 20 shows. You're right. You're right. You're right. And she says, what more do you want? And I said, I want my Will Smith role. And I'm, I'm talking before the slap. I'm talking after Earth monologue with his son. I'm talking um, uh, Fresh Prince about the dad when he had his monologue. I'm talking about uh, pursuit of happiness. I'm talking about that role that's meaningful. And she says, you're not Will Smith. I'm like, uh, my humor takes over. Hmm. You're not Brad Pitt. All right, now she's hurting me, okay? Because yeah. that means I'm ugly. Is that what you're saying? And then she yeah. goes, you're not Jim Carrey. Now that one hurt me because my inspiration was Jim Carrey before he became an actor and became famous. He wrote himself a million dollar check. He says, I'm going to cash this. Come on. I'm going to cash this one day. And that was him believing in it. And she said that out of the blue. I remember going outside. I remember walking by my wife. She goes, what's wrong? I didn't say anything. I walk outside. I'm not mad. I'm determined. I walked outside and I paced a little bit. I'm crying a little bit because I want it so bad. That's what these men are missing. They don't have passion. Hmm. Not just in their sex life, not in their marriage, not in their family, not in their homes, in their hope of the future. They don't have any passion. I go back in determined. She continues. She says, you take these jobs 
and you do this and you're going to like it. And then one day, one day, you're going to know somebody. And one day he says, I worked with him before. I want to try him over here. And one day you're going to get your shot. You're not them. You're you. Hmm. I am. I'm me. And from that moment on, I said, I'm doing it by myself. I'm doing it. I was going to do it with another event. I wasn't lining up with his thoughts. I wasn't lining up with what he wanted. I knew I wanted more. And I said, no, I'm doing my event. This is mine. I started out being man camp and now it's going to be man up. And then I'm like, no, it's King man. And no, it's crowning Kings. And I don't even have a name for it. (laughs) I don't even have a name for it. And I've got 10 guys signed up already. Come on. So all I know is it's going to be here in Little Rock, September 23rd, 24th, and 25th. We're going to go from 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll start at noon. We'll get signed up on noon on Friday. And we're going to go until two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. And I'm telling you what you're going to get out of this weekend is beyond anything you can ever think that you would ever receive from any event, because this is the best of everything. And it's the best of me. And this is truly what God wants me to do. I've known this forever. And I just didn't have the gojones, the, the, the huevos to do anything about it. And I've just finally come into the idea that they need this and I have to do this. Come That's on. really what it is. Oh, dude, I'm so excited for those guys, man. And I wish that yeah. I was living in town. I would be there, man. It's so, so good. I got guys man. flying in from Wisconsin, uh, from Michigan. Uh, one guy from Canada already messaged me. I've got three guys coming in from Dallas and then two men coming in from Hawaii. Oh, that's amazing, man. Oh, yeah, it's so it's good. Yeah. It's going to be a great event, man. Yeah. I am just so honored that you took the time out of your day to join me on the show today, man. Really, truly you are an absolute world changer, man. I love your story. Thank you so much for just sharing that with people. It will change lives, man. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Nathan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a listen or a watch. It's truly an honor to be able to speak with such amazing guests. And I hope that they've made an impact on your life in some way, shape, or form. And you can do me one big favor. That would be huge. Click that subscribe button, and then second favor, hit that share button. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Keep changing the world. I believe in you.